Did you know 77% of women who wear bladder weakness products experience intimate skin irritation? As if having incontinence wasn't stressful enough. But Tina Intimate Pads have been gynecologist tested and do not cause skin irritation. Gentle on my intimate skin. I need to try Tena Intimate Pads. Visit tenasample.com for your free sample. Kind to skin protects like Tena. Was this episode two, season one of the dirt now, Jeff? It's looking like that already. It's crazy. Of the new episode two of the new Viking Speedway podcast, The Dirt. This is a scary day. It is. Because we both walked in here with a notepad with a blank sheet of paper. It's empty. That means this could get interesting. Right, right. First off, we're going to thank um, Javon Bank from Quality Realty for being the podcast sponsor. Thanks for Jay hopping on board and getting on board with us and helping us out here with our podcast. Good old Jay. Good old Jay. You need to buy a house. He's your guy. He's a hustler. I think I'm going to go get some duct tape and put it over one of his banners or one of his, what's he got? He's got like stools all over town. No, he's got them benches. Them benches. I'm going to put a piece of duct tape right over there, right over his mug. I don't think he listened to our podcast last week because he didn't give me any hell about calling out his bald head. So right, right. we're going to try that one more time. Right. So I know, we, busy week, did you, um, so how'd your uh, casserole night in America uh, brought to you by Flow Racing go the last couple of days? Uh, the plowed field or the snooze fest? I like the plowed field. Plowed field was okay. It was better than the snooze fest. As a fan, I like that. Obviously, as a driver, you don't really like that because you don't like tearing up equipment and it's, it's hard on engines it's hard on a lot of stuff unless you're um unless you're kyle larson who really didn't care and he doesn't really care about anything because it's not his stuff um he put a whooping on him but uh yeah it was uh it was definitely two tracks polar opposites i mean you like he said and talking to everybody it's mona rain and everybody got at eldora it was pretty much hopeless they was gonna have zero chance of having a nice track in eldora this is your one and only chance that you're gonna get in the next five years to rip on Anything that Tony Stewart does with racing because he's just like the perfectionist and Eldora is like the gold standard of everything that happens in dirt track racing. And it goes to prove to you no matter how good you are, how good your people are, you can still have a plowed field no matter what. Yep, absolutely. Yep. It happens with the rain and it is what it is. And but overall I thought it was a uh I mean it was it was an entertaining race. I know they tore up some equipment, but no one's forcing you to put your own race car on the track. That's all up to you. You don't want to load up and go home. You don't want, but I know we were getting it on the internet a little bit. And, um, you know, my big thing, people load up like Ricky Weiss and these, I get that, but there's also fans and people that paid money to watch these guys race and they load up and go home. I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan of that, but, um, I, th- I thought it was an entertaining race. Kyle Larson put a whooping on him. I mean, he lapped up to fifth place. I think, H- think Hudson O'Neill was in fifth and he, I mean, he was going by those guys like they were parked. And there was a yellow that came out with three to go. It would have been worse. I mean, he he had the sail up at full extension, and uh, nobody was touching him. He did. He did. And then uh, last night they were at Brownstown. Um, good car count, 49 at Eldora, 47 at, um, at Brownstown. Um, if Brownstown could have had a cushion last night, that would have been a really good race. It would have been Fairbury volume That would have been a really good race if they could have got it. It was just too dirty up there and. Shepard started fourth and was back in about 10th trying to run the high side. And 
you know, you, you know, you see that one car on the bottom, you know, you know it's a, you know it's a bottom feeder, and um, Davenport got his car to rotate and pretty much checked out on the field, and um, but um, you know, Larson kind of made the top come in, but it was kind of a, kind of a fifty lap snooze fest I thought last night. Larson was like the only guy that actually passed a lot of cars. He did, and well, once I don't know if he noticed, but as soon as he went up there, then uh, Shepard went up there and followed him, and actually they were coming through and. Um, about ready to pick off Overton, getting into heavy into the top five. But um, yeah, if that place could have had a cushion last night, that would have been um, Pierce and those guys would have been. I mean, you had Bobby Pierce on the tires. That don't happen very often. No, Bobby Pierce is not a ditch runner. Never has been, but he sure was last night. Yep. So, um, so they're headed World Outlaws. Got practice tonight in Bristol. The Bristol Stomp. I know, obviously, the World Outlaw Series is without a, I guess you could say, probably a household name, uh, not running the uh, World Outlaw Late Model Series anymore. Wasn't that a shocker? Brandon Shepard going to the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series for the summer. Yeah, it kind of was, and me and you kind of knew about the story before it even broke off. Obviously, when you have inside connections, uh, that's what happens, but uh, um, yeah, it, it was interesting. Uh, there's uh, there's more to the story than what Shepard's telling us. He uh, I don't know if you watch his interview, but it, that's he's telling everybody what everybody wants to hear. There's more to the story, so we don't we'll never know what it is. Um, it, it, and it's obviously has to do with Mark Richards. I don't think it has anything to do with Shepard. So I think there's a lot of moving parts at uh, Mark Richards Racing right now. I just get this vibe that uh, everything in uh, everything in Rocketland is not what it used to be, and this is just one thing that kind of. I think it's a byproduct yep, of that. And if there's um pretty good rumor out there that the old uh, Brandon Shepard's not going to be in the one house car next year. So um, he just he just bought a $700,000 hauler with him and his dad and his grandpa. Brand new hauler. Oh. Um, and, they you know, they got two brand new rockets uh, with Ford Motors in them, the B5. And his grandpa and his dad want him to run the house car. There's, there's They've been trying to get that for years. And. Um, it's really seriously in the works, at least from my uh, inside sources, and I got a couple pretty good sources. So um, we'll see what happens. But you know, it is what it is. Lucas gained a great car, and um, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, pretty much all them young bucks running at Bristol. Lucas is loaded. Lucas is loaded. They are, but you know, they don't have Davenport. They don't have Owens. You know, so there's a couple. You know, Overton's running open schedule too. So there's three guys right there that aren't running the national tour there on open schedule. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Speaking of Bristol, it's been, uh, what, two weeks now? Yeah. When Cup ran over there. And you know we had to talk, we got to talk about this. The end, the end of that Cup race. Well, let's first bring up the fact that the trucks and the Cup Series was a way better race than the lay models. you agree or disagree with that? <clears throat> Late model race, the the A main, the final night was pretty good. I mean, I mean it, was, it was it was pretty racy. It was okay, but it, it was nothing like the trucks and nothing like the cups. That's that was my personal opinion. I liked watching the trucks and I liked watching. I thought the, the trucks were way better than the cup was, and the only reason the cup was as good as it was is because of the two rain showers they had strategically placed during that event. That's the one thing that kill, kind of killed that, just the momentum and being along. But I I enjoyed it, and you know, probably one of the best finishes, one of the best endings to a nascar cup race since since kurt bush and ricky craven beat their doors off each other at darlington that one time coming to the checkered you couldn't ask for a better ending at bristol other than the fact that 
there was no fisticuffs after the race. That's exactly what my first thought was. So I watched, we're, for you guys that don't know, it, Reddick's leading the race, driving out, and, uh, and uh, Chase Briscoe's running him down. Well, Briscoe's notably faster, and he catches him, and you, we can see it coming the last lap. He's running, he's high side hustling the top, and he's running him down. He goes in, bonsai slide job, knew there was no chance it was going to stick, takes them both out. Luckily for Reddick, he ended up getting second, but everybody's favorite guy, Kyle Busch, ended up winning the race, which nobody was excited about. But the interesting thing, part of this happened when the race was done. It's like you're waiting for a full-blown brawl, right? Well, I was on the edge of my recliner ready, and I'm like, there's something going down here. This, there should be, I was waiting for the cameraman to pan over to the, you know how pit crews are, especially at NASCAR, because NASCAR is a, is, is a team event more than it is me running my super stock out at Viking Speedway. And yeah, I got a couple of pit crew guys, but NASCAR's got hundreds and hundreds of employees. Those guys building cars, they got a lot of time and a lot of effort into those things. And uh, when your driver gets taken out, coming to the checker and you don't win, the first people that go crazy are the crew guys. Um, and I was waiting you always see the crew guys fighting. They're always going at it first. They wait for it. It just it is what it is. The crew guys are starting, and here come the drivers, and that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to see the, you know, the big one. The you know, was Kevin Harvick and Biffle going at it, or um, Chase Elliott and whoever was there a few weeks ago going at it. That's what everybody wants to see. And Chase Briscoe came over and said, "I'm sorry," and Reddick said, "Yep." And that was pretty much the end of it. It was it was actually shocking. Do you blame was, Do you blame Reddick for doing that when you seen the size of Briscoe compared to him? No, it was, um, it was <laughs> David versus Goliath is what it was, and and, and Reddick was upset that he was out leading and got ran down. I get that. We've all been there, and you know we've been leading a race, and all of a sudden, boom! There goes there goes the seven A, or there goes the two flying by you, or it is what it is, or you got someone beating on your door and. Someone goes to chuck a slider, and, and, and but, you know, my big thing, it's the last lap. Like, if, if Briscoe went to done that, I mean, we'd all been sitting here, what's he doing? You know what I mean? Right. You know, and he didn't try taking, he didn't do it earlier. He waited to the last lap. I'm going to give it my one shot, whether it's going to work or not. He didn't really care. And, he, and he's a dirt guy, and, you know, his crew was happy that he gave it a shot. And it looked like old I, Richard Childers wasn't happy, and the, the, the eight crew was not happy. The eight crew was ready to go. The eight crew was ready to fight, man. Richard Childress was ready to kill someone, but he's too old to do that anymore, so he didn't. Right, right. And he was. Uh, I thought a couple of those crew guys were going to get into it, but they saw Reddick's interview and just decided, you know, what? we're not going to, you know, what? we're not going to do it, and we're just going to go on. and And he's been fast. He's been fast all year, and and uh, you know, it was obviously you know classy for Briscoe to come. It's tough to do as a driver. I had to do it last year one time. I. I punted Travis Scott at Montevideo coming to the checkered, and it was a rubbered up one laner, and I'm like, I'm not getting second, and I roasted it in there, and of course he was cutting down across the track, and bam, I took out Travis Scott. He got his first win. It was the right call. Um, I got last, whatever, um, but it's it's always tough as a driver. As I, I, soon as I got out of my car, I went right over to Travis and said, Travis, I'm sorry. I said, I was going for the win. I got into it 100, 100% my fault. Congratulations on his first win, and, and I'm glad he got the win. It was the right call, but it's tough as a driver to go over and, and be humble about that and say, I'm sorry. 
because you just don't. Kyle Busch wouldn't been going over anybody saying I'm sorry to anybody. You know that we all right. know that, but it, it's tough to do. So it was good to see Briscoe come over and at least hey, hey say I'm sorry. You know, fess up to it and. It, 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 at the moment, it sucks. It absolutely sucks at the moment because you 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 want to, you know, you want to tie Gibbs them and you want to punch him in the face and, and be over with it. But um, after you know, you get a couple three days down the road, then you realize, hey, that was a pretty cool gesture by you know, okay, Briscoe so to come over. You mentioned Ty Gibbs. Let's talk about that. That's like a D minus in pit in pit lane fighting. You don't punch a guy when you have your helmet on. No, let's see. You're all wrong about that. <laughs> and I learned this from my dad, Dan, because everybody knows my dad, Larry, and he's, what, 5'10", 130 pounds, and everybody he raced against was bigger and better, badder than him, okay? And when he ran that Chevelle back in the day, he used to duct tape a baseball bat inside his car. <laughs> he, he did. He put a baseball bat inside of his car, and I remember Rocket Fisher was the tech guy over there. Him and Mike Grunner were the tech guys back in the day. Yep. And Fish Rocket comes over and goes, Larry, what's that for? And he said, that's my equalizer. He said, all these guys are bigger than me. He said, I need to have a baseball bat <laughs> to take care of my business. So then we we got into it one year with, um, remember Dave Mortensen? Yep. From Fargo. <clears throat> um, he was racing and destroyed my dad's car. Just destroyed it. And he, he was he was a decent-sized guy. He was fit, and my dad got out of his car with his helmet on and went over and got Mortensen's face. And then I'm everybody's afterward, why would you keep your helmet on? He said, my, he's twice the size of me. I'd be stupid to go over there with my helmet on. So does it look like it's chicken? Yeah, sometimes. But me, on the other end, I'm taking my helmet off. I'm <laughs> not a whole lot of guys bigger than me. I'm taking my helmet off, and we're going over there. But So that's kind of a story behind, Right. hey, guys, I'm not taking my helmet off. The guy's bigger than me, and if he punches me, he's going to punch me in the helmet. You right. Know, it's, you know, it's like hockey fight back in the day. We took our helmets off. You Absolutely. Don't, you don't want to break your hand. Now they, they're trying to get rid of fighting in hockey. They make you keep your helmet on. Yeah, dumb. Well, how dumb it is to punch a guy in the helmet, you break your hand, now you're out for this season. So Correct. So that that's kind of a story behind keeping a helmet on and punching a guy. And So back to this Briscoe deal. It's kind of funny how this thing comes full full circle. Um, you got Briscoe uh, causing all the carnage at Bristol. And last week they're at Talladega, and Briscoe was like a pinball in a pinball machine in the big one. That car was destroyed. It's just interesting how it goes. You go from being the aggressor to the uh, whipping boy. Yeah, it's, it, it's, and that's, that's Talladega for you. It's, right. That ain't a race in my opinion. There's, there's a few. I, I enjoy those races. I'd rather watch those in a mile and a half. But I like the I like the plate racing. You're you're going 200 miles an hour, and they were getting after it. Um, they got a little single file there in the second stage, but that last 20 laps. I mean, they were four, five, six wide, and Austin Dillon was in like 20 with 10 to go, and had a chance to win the thing. And they were dicing and getting after it. And, and I, I'm just a fan of racing. You know, everybody complains ah this and that. I you know, if there's any we were watching some race over in New Zealand, right? Over on Flow, some crap cars they're running over there. No, I'm just a fan of racing. I like it all, and no matter what it is, and I really haven't got into the IndyCar Formula One scene much. Um, I'll watch the Indy 500 just because it's the Indy 500. But you know, I'm just a fan of racing. I'm not going to sit there and complain and and be one of those guys. And I just like turning on the TV, no matter where the race is or 
you're watching some podunk track on flow flow racing out in South Carolina. Those are usually the best. They are. They are. You you watch some. You don't know have a clue about who's racing, who's doing anything, and half the time uh, the races are pretty good, and the announcers are very entertaining at a lot of these places. They don't really care what they say. No, which makes no. it really good because yep. um, NASCAR is what it is, and they're polished in the booth, but they they definitely miss that aspect. Yep. Um, well, I think that's why they keep Boyer in the booth too, because he's Boyer doesn't care. He's pushing those limits a little bit, and right. you know NASCAR folk need that. One more thing, uh, one final thing. Let's see where's my train of thought going here now. Oh yeah, and then we're done with the national scene. Bristol, putting the dirt back on in twenty three. A lot of drivers were complaining about the whole this and that and the other thing. Do you think it's time for NASCAR to just realize that they have no idea what they're doing with dirt racing and just listen to what Kyle Larson says and do it the right way? Yeah, for the most part. There's like I enjoy watching the race and I think it's awesome. But they got to get the windshields out of the cars. Um, you know, it's half the fields raced on dirt anyway. Right. Um, they know how to use a tear off. Um, you know, some of these pit crews had zero idea how to scrape mud I and mean, they'd come in the pits and zero idea what's going on. So. I get their point, but it was tough. It was tough with the new car because they're a little limited on cars still to completely yard sale a car just for one race. Right. And I know that was part of the you know conversation with it is do we want to take windshields out and do all this and that and you know putting mud flaps on the car and all that stuff they're doing. Where a lot of these cars, you know, some of them were taking them cars home, washing them, they're racing them the next weekend. So it was a little bit tough. But no, you're right. They need to. You know, make it up, keep the cup cars, but make them a little bit more dirt friendly. You know, get the windshields out. Here's of my Bristol like wish that. list. No windshields, no windows at all. Get them out. No mirrors, no radios. Run it like a real dirt race. Get get rid of the training wheels. These guys are supposed to be the best guys in the world, and they should be able to race competitively anywhere. Make them do what the make them do what the local grassroots guys do every Saturday night. Yeah, make have make out William Byer and have a guy down there with stick signals and see how that goes, right? Yeah, exactly. Us us unprofessional people like Richard Petty calls dirt racing seem to get it figured out. Right, right, right. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't even know. Is, is XR Super Series, is Barry Brown say he's doing the dirt nationals again next year? What's he doing? I don't think there's been a press release about that, but I just know it's coming back to Bristol, so the World Outlaws will be there, and they'll be doing the NASCAR deal again. And, Which is fine. I don't know. Right. Who knows? Maybe that Dirt Nationals is worth welcome out with two years they did it, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's tough to say. Got you. Let's get into um, let's get into some Viking Speedway talk here, since this technically is a Viking Speedway podcast, um, and and kind of run with some things here. I think we're going to do a little class preview and see what we've got going on, um, and kind of talk about some of the classes and what we got coming up with. So let's start with the. Um, Let's see who we got sponsoring. Let's start with the Executive Express Johnson Jetline Midwest Modified. Sanitation. Executive Sanitation. I always mess that up. Is that Executive Sanitation Johnson Jetline Midwest Modifieds this year? Um, obviously, last year our track champion was John Olson. Yep, he was ran good all year. Um, rumor has it, or not really a rumor. His brother Jamie told me they're gonna be chasing some tour racing this summer. Yeah, I think they're going to do the Midwest Rebel Mod Tour, doing something, who knows, with what's going on, weather, right. t- tire situation, fuel situation. It's going to be tough. So 
Um, obviously, Sean won the title last year. Taylor Bitson was second. Josh Music third. Connor Bussey fourth. And Avery Anderson was fifth. Um, big thing pops out with me there is young guys. You know, oh, young guys. Taylor's young. Connor's, uh, for those of you who don't know who Connor Bussey is, he's the former member of the Alexandria Blizzard. Connor played for me for three years over there with the Blizzard. He's a hockey player. He's from South St. Paul. And um, he's, I don't know. I know he's engaged to Tim Jodz's daughter, so that's kind of how he got into racing um, and got in the scene. And I know he's got his Midwest mod. He just texted me the other day looking for some stuff for his engine and, and obviously Avery Anderson. So it's good to see some of these uh, the young local talents start getting into racing. It's crazy it is. I think the story of the Midwest Modified Division at Viking Speedway last year was probably the controversy that happened off the track. You had... Uh, a couple really top shelf cars end up getting DQ'd, knocked all the points away. So it re- it really reshuffled the uh, the point standings, so to speak. Um, and you hate to see that happen, but it's part of the game, right? Right. And then you know you had John Carlson, Scott Oach, and Tate and Blasick, um, Brock Grunwald, and, and Travis Sauer is running his dad's other car, and Justin Freming put in some shows. Travis Engelbretson, Ron Sauer, um, is Matt Tennis running? Two cars this year? I don't know. Is that I, the rumor? I can't keep track of the rumor mill. But I know we bought a mod. Yep. Uh, we should maybe do some research. Or better yet, maybe Matt can just post post right on Facebook what he's got going on. I see Brooke Hellerman was at a few shows. Corey Stork. Um, Tim Pedersen's going to be full-time this year, correct? That's the, that's the word. That's the rumor mill going on out there. So that's just kind of the um, – um, and I really haven't – Keeping up to date, who's got a Midwest mod, um, who's going to be new drivers or anything like that. Um, what about Thorstead? Well, is Thorstead going to is going to grace us with his presence? So I just I just saw him at TRE race parts the other day, and um, says yeah he plans on starting here. For um, you know Madison don't open up till obviously he lives down there he's kind of from that area but he plans on running here until um, until the. Uh, Madison opens up and he'll be here for a few nights, so that'd be good to get him. But he's always fast here to get him here and um, talk to Brock Grunwald the other day. I wanted to get some dirt for the old podcast, and I'm going to throw Brock under the bus. No, I'm not going to throw him. Out. He goes, "Tell everybody I quit." <laughs> he quit racing. Brock Grunwald quit racing. Can we start that rumor right now? You just did. <laughs> so he um, he don't know. He says he's so busy with work right now, and he'll obviously be out there running somewhere. So hopefully, we can get him back here to. High flying half mile too, because he um, he's fun to watch, and you know you get Thorsted and you get all those young guys back out there. Class has got some potential, put on some good shows. So here's the thing, and this is gonna maybe piss some people off, but it's some people are probably gonna agree with me too. Um, we don't know what the landscape is; it's not clear. We don't know who's gonna be here on a week to week basis, and that's pretty much with every class now because every class has got these mini tours going on. And the mini tours are great when you have them at your track, but when you don't have them at your track, it doesn't do you any favors. Right, and it's killing the local. It's killing the local crowd. It, it's killing the it's killing the rivalries that used to make these things go. And I don't know what the answer is or it isn't. I mean, obviously the drivers love it because they get to go out and race for some more money on a reg, semi regular basis, and they get to see some new real estate. But uh, the it's hard to keep the drama factor going. Yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't want to run a series right now. But 
tire shortage and diesel at five bucks a gallon. I mean, you're traveling. You're going to travel that Midwest Mod Series or the Street Stock Tour. You're traveling. Well, and the other thing, too, is, Jeff, is you and I both know how much time it takes to keep these cars running in top order. When you're going to a different venue two, three times a week chasing a series, you just increased your uh, during the week time even more than what it is. It becomes a full-time job yep. on top of the full-time jobs everybody's already got. And you start burning out crew guys. Yep. You burn out your wallet. Your burnout rate goes through the roof. Yep. And then, uh, you know, mom and kids ain't happy because more time's going here and there. So, I mean, there's good points and bad points to all of it. But, like I say, they're great. They're great when you got them at your track, but it's not so great when they're somebody when they're when they're somewhere else. Right on, right. They're fun to watch. Street stock tours fun to watch. But like you said, it's it's tough when they're. You know, it kind of thins the herd a little bit. And like you said, you lose the rivalries and, you know, lose the, you know, not having Brock Grunwald here and all those guys. The Midwest Mod class was, they're always getting after each other and getting after it and up in their face. So, um, tours, yeah, it is what it is, right? Let's get into the uh, all-star title on abstract street stocks. Um, of course, last year, um, Ryan Satter won the title. Did he even lose a race other than? I, I think. Did he lose one at the tour? Yeah, yeah, he only won one night at the Parker tour. won one of that, that rain-shortened debacle we had. Um, and then, I don't did, did Ryan win the other, the doubleheader that night? I, I know, I don't I think, think. he won the one. I think he won the first night. I don't think he lost a regular season race. He did. He lost one or two. He had a couple of, I think he had a race or two where he, he uh, got a little bit bottled up and, couldn't get through traffic. It looks like he had 10. He had 13 features at Alec. He won 10 times. Yeah. 12 top five. So pretty then, close. I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty good uh, average role, Mr. Satter. Craig Gardner got second. Um, just texting him the other day. He's getting his hot rod together. Roger Berkness ended up third. J.J. Newberta, fourth. Andrew Bankston was fifth. Um, Derek Wettstein, sixth. Jason, Jason Timish, seventh. Tanner Horn, Dustin Carl, and Justin Vogel, who ran pretty much a series, got here as much as he could, got eight, got tenth. So, um, Chad Anderson from Dent, and you know Brad Lawrence and Avery Went, and and um, Brian Crandall, Riley, all those guys got a few shows in here too. So, you know, there's a lot of the, the street stocks is still competitive in this area, and and obviously I ran it for a year. It was a, it was a lot of fun. It's an expensive class. There's no doubt about that. But um, they put on great racing, great show. Um, you know, they, they always Street Sox always put on a great show, and people always ask me why. I said, well, A, the cars are pretty close, but B, they get the best track of the night. Um, That's so what everybody knows that Satter's the favorite. Okay. But you know who was getting pretty fast at the end of the last year that nobody was paying attention to? Raj. Birkness. He was. That car was, uh, that car was good, and it was getting better every week. And I think he was getting pretty comfortable in it. And I think he's going to be a lot more of a player this year than he's been in the past. You know what? Good for him. He's putting his time. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a good deal to see people coming up. Yep, absolutely. And it's good, and good to see that. A lot of new faces there, too, you know, getting away from the, you know, the Satters and the Vogels and all those people of the world and getting some new guys in there and, you know, technically a starter class. And like you said, the Street Sox always put on a great show and fun to watch and, and uh, you know, and who knows? You, you never know who's gonna 
you know, there's we don't run the pier stocks anymore, but there's a bunch of pier stocks in the area, and they're not that far away from a street stock. No. Put a different engine in, and sometimes you don't even have to do that. Um, just put a different carburetor on her and let her buck. So it would be interesting to see who else. I haven't heard much as far as the street stock scene. Um, be interesting to see um, who else shows up in a streeter. Jeff, you and I both know what the tech scene is like in unsanctioned classes. I bet you half them pier stock guys could just go race right now. They could, yeah. <laughs> Those guys in Montevideo are pretty quick down there. There's good, good 10, 12 of them down there. And right. they're, they're all pretty quick down there. So, yeah. Um, so let's get into the, um, who do we got? We got the Lake Country Meat Superstocks this year. Um, and obviously a lot of, you know, you look at the Superstock class, it's a lot of locals and it's a lot of regulars. Um, so, you know, Travis Hour, Travis, okay, can't rain on your parade, Trevor. I know you're. Probably getting sick of hearing your brother winning all them features. But Trevor Sauer won the title. Matt Miller was second. I got third. You know, Carter Rentz fourth. Bailey Rosh fifth. John Krause sixth. You know, Jim Pook seventh. Jack Caranda eighth. And then Brendan Scott ninth. Travis Scott tenth. You know, Carson Miller. I know Trent Brunker ran here a bunch. Jeff Flatten was here a bunch. Um, you know, the Fuchs boys. You know, Baker and Hellerman. Um, you know, we had a we had a real good core of super stocks in this area, and and um, you know we're all it's 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 crazy for the most part. We we get along. Obviously, we're going to have our ups and downs, but um, you know having the battles with the guys we got, and, and then getting the young guys going too. You know, the Rences and the Crandas and and Bailey Rosh, and you know my cousin Johnny, and you know getting all in the Scott boys and getting those guys involved in it, and and uh, who knows who's going to show up with the super stock? You just you never know who's going to show up. You know the thing is. Is that class was just about on its deathbed. I mean, there was conversations had all over the place about, uh, everybody's just going to get rid of them and cut them and they're going to be gone. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, the numbers started to get be- get better again. And I, I don't know where it's going, but what, what I do know is from an economic standpoint, unless you want to go race a short tracker, Superstock's the best bang for the buck. It's the most affordable class out there. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it just the rules haven't changed in years, literally. Um, obviously, just with technology, with shocks and you know stuff like that. But for the most part, you know the three link suspension is a three link su- suspension. Right. You know, springs are springs. Um, obviously, the shock games is huge, but um, our engines haven't changed. Obviously, they gave us a dart head a couple years ago, which was smart, just because. You know the old Camelbacks and 492s were getting hard to come by, right. but um, it was. It's just, and, and it's the reason people always ask me, "Well, why are you still in a Superstock?" I said, "A, I don't have the money to run anything else." I said, "B, I have basically three cars, all the parts in the world. I have everything, you know, and I've been fortunate enough to win a few championships and win a few races, and that pays the bills. So, and it's you know, Dave Moss, Shane Sabraski, Timmy Johnson, all these guys are still running Superstocks." why they're fun and they're they're affordable and you can you know if you i, I know for a fact dave moss and shane's Nebraska are making money running a super stock i know that for a fact they are and well they, sure they are and you can't say that in many other classes mm, no none you can't um because i know the one year i won i won 15 features and got both six or seventh in national points and came home with some pretty good chunk of change and and looking at it and going yeah well i made some money and those guys are winning twice as many features as I am, I and mean, winning, winning the hundred, winning the national points. So um, it, it's an affordable class. They don't mess with the rules. There's one engine, 
that's we, that's the beauty. We and don't that's why the concepts. tech inspectors love it. We don't have crates. We don't have anything like that. And 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 actually, the, you know, you can you can put a set of shocks on a super stocks for four or five hundred bucks. You don't and be competitive. You right. can. So um, it's just a competitive class. And you know, I enjoy running against the crew we're running against every week. And and obviously, you know, um, you know, I think. Uh, People say, "Why does the super stocks come back?" I always tell them, "Well, Timmy Johnson quit racing them. That's why." So, well, that's that's a big chunk of it, right there. <laughs> it was, and he and I enjoyed racing against you know Tim Johnson, and tell people all the time, if it wasn't for Scott Danzies and jumping in the super stock, I wouldn't be as good as I am today. Because you get someone to beat, you know, right. that was one of my goals. He got in the super stock. I wanted to beat that '66 super stock. That was a goal of mine, and may have ruffled, ruffled a few feathers and door slammed him a couple times but it's because i wanted to beat him and the same thing when tim johnson showed up here you you want to be the best you gotta you gotta beat the best so i always enjoy racing against those guys and you know it's brasky and moss and all those guys come here it's a lot of fun and and it's i always put on a good show and and it's uh, like i said it's just i enjoy there's a lot of really good drivers in the super stock class i get a kick out of that you know people these guys are all gruff and rough, rough and tough, and they all want to go out and thrash and bang and do whatever. But as soon as somebody door slams them, it's like the world's coming to an end, and it's been that way forever. Um, if you're the fast guy and you get door slammed, you should probably be sharpening your pencil because that means somebody just caught you. Yep. That's your that's your wake up call. Um. If you're not getting door slammed, that means you got him covered, or or you're so far behind, <laughs> you're not right, even right. in the game, right? It's probably the reason, maybe, why I door slammed the '66. <laughs> a, I didn't get to see him very much because he's usually out front winning, and obviously Scott Dan Seasons. We can argue he's probably one of the all-time greats at Viking Speed. We all know that, and maybe that's why I gave him a door every time I got to him. Just to remember, hey, hey, I'm here, just just to say hi. So. Like I said, we we had our run-ins with Scott back in the day, but obviously, you know, it's great to see him get in the Hall of Fame last year and talking to him, and he he gets it. He gets he gets the drill. Josh Tennis made the most interesting comment to me. This was a couple of years ago, when Scott was still racing his modified. He says, "Yeah, well, he goes, we're pretty good, but five's here, and uh, you could put him on a donkey, and he'd be fast." Yep. I mean, that's saying a lot from a guy that's, I mean, Josh is fast guy. Yep. But everybody just knew, you know, and you get the, you get the, uh, you get the uh, privilege to race against talent like that. That's something that not everybody always gets. Yeah, absolutely. So it would be fun to see with the, uh, obviously I'll have two cars out there again, and I'm sure Trevor and, you know, the Millers and everybody else will be showing up and. And, and, you know, Jack Cranda got his feet wet, and I know he bought Kevin Burdick's car. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh, um, well, he'll be he'll be faster. Yeah, he bought Kevin Burdick's uh, TRC, so he well, he got a TRC at the end of the year last year. So, um, and obviously, um, Rents, he still got his, and I know the Scots got both their cars done. Um, you know, I don't know. I know Brendan raced here a lot, and Travis was kind of hit and miss. So hopefully those guys can get up here and, and enjoy our Superstock show. So, Modifieds. Integrity title modified. Special thanks to Integrity Title, Jill and Jim over there staying on board with us. We we appreciate their support and and obviously last year um, it's, there was obviously a little bit of drama in the modified class too as usual with the uh, 
with the one DQ we had late in the year. But, um, of course, let me find their standings here. There they are. Of course, um, Brady Gertis, the old 2X, got her done in his uh, elite car. I'm pretty sure he's got that same car this year. I don't know what his plans are, but Brady Gertis won it. Uh, Dusty Bits in second. Travis Sauer third. Blake Boland's fourth. Josh Tennis was fifth. Um, then rounding out your top ten, we had Blake Jackvig, Brett Hoyam, Joe Thomas, Tyler Cater, Danny Bayer. So um, Josh Bachman, I believe he was the rookie of the year, correct? Yeah, I think, I think he so. Got, he got the rookie of the year. And then Ryan Gerke got a few um, shows in. Talon Tennis, Josh's son, got a few shows in there. And uh, Mark Esla, he always gets down here and likes coming down for the Labor Day Memorial right. Day weekend. He'll hit the RV tour and stuff like that. And um, Zach Johnson was traveling with the Advantage RV tour, and I'm pretty sure they're doing that again this year. So hopefully we can get him here as much we can. Jake Wildman got out a few times. You know, Corky Thomas brought his car down here uh, when his kid was running here too. Um, you know, Devin Fouquet, Brian Hobbin will run here at the beginning of the year um, until Madison starts open up. I see Tyler Peterson did make it here a couple times. I suppose he showed up for the RV race, and uh, maybe he was here uh, a couple other times. So hopefully we can get the, the old national champ TPO over here. So really good field of mods and and obviously those top guys, you know, Gertis, Bits, and Sauer, you know, those guys, and then you throw Josh in the mix. And now this year we'll be throwing old man rocking chair Jason Tennis is coming back out of retirement. He got a brand new MB Custom. So we're going to be, um, you know, throwing him in there and with, get the young kids and um, see what happens. JT didn't do camping and camping life as well as you <laughs> wanted to. He just called me yesterday. It was kind of funny. But uh, usually we just talk old stories and, and uh, he, I used to, I, I went and Don and his dad, and we used to go run around the countryside. Remember the old Como Mod series? Yep. They always ran during the week. So, I mean, we, Jason called me up, hey, we're going to Cedar. Hey, we're going to Grove Creek. Or, I mean, we went to Superior, Aberdeen. We'd throw my super in the back of his trailer and we'd take off during the week. So those are the good old days. And we got a heck of a lot of stories we could talk about. Grove Creek. Remember Oof. that place? I never raced there. I went down there with Jason a couple times. and uh, wish that place was still open. Right, right. Um, I never raced there. I was going to. They used to do super specials down there. I never got down there. So, um, And I think, now I think, pretty sure Matt Tennis has a modified. Am I, is that correct? That's what I heard. Have you heard any other rumors flying out there as far as who has mods? I heard that... Uh heard there's another mod that there's a modified in the uh Bremming stable as well is there yes that's what i've heard so is it possibly an ssr uh it possibly is yeah yeah see how the rumors get out there already and we hear everything it's kind of funny how this works yeah, isn't yeah. it they think they can keep stuff from us but they can't yeah there's uh you know modifieds there seems to be a few more of them popping up they were I don't mean last year the way it was going. I thought they were kind of on the same path as the late models have been on for a while, but now it seems like there's more again this year. But now there seems to be more late models popping up too. So I don't know. It's probably all cyclical, right? Right, right. But it is what it is. There, you know, you know, even when the late models were here, I think the mods have always been the premier class at Viking Speedway. Um, just from a history standpoint, Danzy's in Hillig Music Stork. I mean, then all of a sudden you got into the tennises and then. You know, you get, you know, Dennis Bitson and now into in Dusty and now taking over this new crowd. It just kind of seems, you know, even when we had, I mean, we had Don Shaw, Ricky Weiss, Zach Johnson, Jeff Wilder. They were racing here weekly back when we had late models. Hinkemeyer. Jeff Hinkemeyer. We had the cream of the crop of the late models right here. running. Tommy Thompson when he was killing everybody. and 
we I mean, did, and, and it was awesome to watch. But that, like I said, that modified class has always been, you know, I just remember sitting up in the stands and the music's were sitting down in the West Ends, and then you, <laughs> the, the, I mean, it was and there was a fight somewhere uh, in the middle, but it was fun. The place was packed. It was going nuts. It was it was emotion. You know what I mean? It was, and just watching that from a fan standpoint when I was younger, obviously my dad was racing. You couldn't go in the pits back in then because you had to be sixteen to get in the pits. Right. So, you know that's. You know, look at all the kids in the pits now. Back in the day, we were all sitting in the stands. We had to sit in the stands. I mean, right. it was me and Jason and Rick Tennis. We were never old enough. We were all sitting in the stands. Um, and we'd sit in the same spot every week, and we had the musics up behind us and the Hillings and the Storks and, and whoever else they had going on there. So um, that class at the Mods has always been the, to me anyway, it's kind of always been the premier class at Viking Speedway. Could you, could you imagine? Could you imagine what the – Ruckus. I mean, it was a ruckus crowd back in the day. Can you imagine what it would have been like if we'd have been able to sell beer back then? Right, right. <laughs> that would have, uh, well. It would we would have had to have the National Guard on the scene. Yeah. When Modified's Road on the track, you'd have to have the National Guards come out. It would have, it would have probably put the end to a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it would have been making memories. We've been making memories and having fun. Right. That's what it's all about. So, no, excited to, you know, hopefully get a few more mods. And like I said, with... Um, you know, the Fallen Lineman race and, and the Advantage RV Tour coming to town, and then Memorial Day, um, and then Labor Day, we always have good mod counts. So um, hopefully we can get a, put a good mod class together here. And, and like I said, with the cost of travel and everything, it's going to be it's just going to be interesting to see what pans out with that. And, you know, hopefully get some new blood and, and see if old man Winter over there, uh, over at Diamond, can um, see if JT can get back into victory lane. And we like give him a hard time. We always tell him to grab his warm milk and his and his ro- <laughs> rocking chair so he uh, uh he'll give me a hard time but it is what it is i got a microphone jt and you don't so um, <laughs> that's kind of how that works but obviously uh like i said i ran with him for a few summers racing and running over stuff on the interstate coming home but uh it is what it is and and then Obviously, we're bringing the short trackers back again this year, Dan. So after uh, getting them and um, kind of their foot in their door and running them, um, you know, we did a couple Hornet shows back in the day. Um, but now, you know, following the um, non-Wasota, um, the short trackers, um, copying off I-94, sure step what they're doing up there with the short trackers and getting those guys over here and, and getting us a, uh, a starter class. Um, a Hilltop Lumber hopped on board. It's going to sponsor the short trackers this year, so thanks to them. And um, hopefully, we um, I, who knows? I, it, you always hear they're, they're building them, they're building them, they're building them. Well, I'm, I'm the kind of guys that like wait till they see them pull in the front gate and go across the track, um, and get into the track to see how many we show up. But um, it was it was a lot of fun watching them. See if we can pull up some names here. I don't know a lot of the short tracker guys. I just like we I, only ran them what. Half a dozen, six, seven times yeah, last year at the was, end, was it? Well, Sean Robinson won the, won technically won the points. He had five hundred and thirty nine points. So you're probably looking, yeah, probably about five six times. So um, Curtis Huseth, David Wall, um, Jeff Hansen. Obviously, we know Jeff Hansen. Um, um, he's he's kind of a local guy that got into it. Michael Anderson from Brandon, um, Kevin Youngquist, Cole Campson. I know Cole a little bit. Um, he runs a Wasota car. He runs on a Montevideo KRA a little bit too. Uh, Brent Angler, um, Wade Bergerud, probably screwed up his name, and Hunter Goulet. So there's a few names in there that I've heard of. And, you know, we obviously, um, 
Um, got some of the cars from Fergus and for my 94. Now it sounds like there's some guys building cars. Yeah, there's uh, actually, I just talked to Hanson, Jeff Hanson last week, and he figures the numbers will probably be the same or a little better to start with. And, and there's some more stuff being built, I guess. Um, you know, we were obviously we gave these guys a, a playground to come play at, which is part of it for him. But uh, Jeff Hansen really made this thing happen. He really promoted this and got these guys to show up on a weekly basis. So um, he says, "Well, it's so nice you guys brought him on. Well, you can you can bring him on all you want, but you got to have a guy with boots on the ground like that, and and he's got a he's got a pretty." Loud voice around those people, evidently, and they all showed up here, and we're grateful that they did. Yeah, and, and they're they're big in this area, you know, the Fergus area and around here, and getting a little bit more west towards Fargo. But um, the big thing is they don't have to travel very much. You can run I ninety four, and forty minutes down the road, you can come run Viking on the same night. And you know, with our drivers, they're free. Um, you know, you don't have to pay the thirty dollars to get in, and plus, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a check regardless. You start that feature, you're getting a check. Plus, you don't have to pay to get in. So. Um, for those guys, that's huge. You don't have to spend the thirty dollars to get in the pits, and you're gonna get a check at the end of the night. They uh, and they they travel in a pack. You ever see how many people pile out of those trucks when they pull in at the pit gate? Right. It's like the demo guys. It's like you don't think you could fit any more people in a four door truck. Well, you can because here they come. Yep. <laughs> yep. And and they, I thought they put on a good show. They're always, I think they put on a good show up at Fergus too at I ninety four when they run up. Everybody, you know, people are saying, why, why, why are you watching this? It's usually one of the better races in the night because they get after it. And um, so, and I thought they put on a good show here too while they're at it. There's always there's always three or four good races going on in one race with them guys. You can't say that about every other class. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's. I was really skeptical about doing it with the big track and everything else, and but it, it worked out well, and I'm glad we did. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of a breakdown of our classes that we got going on here. Obviously, we're going to run our, um, you know, our normal five classes. We do have, like I said, we do have the late models coming in once right now with the Challenge Series. Um, we're looking at two weeks, um, so hopefully, uh, Mother Nature um, pulls her, you know what, out of her, you you know what, and. We can get cracking on that and get the track ready and get going. And, and um, sounds like there's going to be some followers. So we do have the late models coming in. Um, and I'm unsure. I don't believe the sprint car. We don't have any sort of sprint cars coming this we, year. Uh, we? we tried, but old, our old buddy Ron Bernhagen that runs a UMSS sprint car deal, he's got a real good problem. He's got more tracks requesting to have them come than he has available dates. And with our geographic location, see, they they kind of hub out of Cedar Lake Speedway in Richmond, Wisconsin. So with our geographic location, it kind of was a doubleheader bust kind of deal that we had to do to get them, because it's a long ways for them guys to drive, and it just didn't work out. They had too much of the stuff. It's not that we didn't want to do it or that they didn't want to come here, because he said they loved coming here last year, but um, it's it's just... It's just logistics, you know. It's Friday. A lot of these guys, a lot of these guys work till three, four o'clock on Friday, and then there just isn't time to get to where they need to be. So, um, it is what it is because they wanted. To, they said they wanted to go to I ninety four if they were going to come this far too, and they just couldn't get to Fergus. Right. And right. So it it is what it is. I mean, we do the best we can with what we got, and and hopefully that there's a larger presence of them that pop up closer to home, so we can kind of build a hub and. 
have more of those races. Right, exactly. And then, like I said, we know we talked last week. Hopefully, we can get SLS on board and yeah, get the World Outlaw Sprint Cars at the Ohio Flying Half Mile. That's uh, that's a conversation I look forward to come August. So hopefully, we can make that work. Right on. Well, there you have it, folks. Dan, you got anything else you want to? Um, throw yeah, out, just throw uh, out there? thanks to old Javon Bank Quality Real Estate for uh, supporting our podcast this year. Yeah, absolutely, and, and and thanks to all the other board members as well. Um, Justin Anderson, Justin Nealon, Brian Amber Niehoff, Todd Berg, Dave Tennis, Scott Flyflesher, uh, myself, and Dan. Um, I think we got a good board going on here, and got a lot of good things going on, and um, working on um, getting a party zone underneath the grandstand um, with some TVs that we're going to have the races on, and just expanding and and keep getting better with with Viking Speedway. That's the big thing, and you know, doing all that stuff and getting some shows in here. And like I said, putting concerts on and demo derbies and doing all this stuff. And, um, I know, the, I know we've been working hard as a board. So thanks to all the other board members and, and to you, Dan, and hopefully we can get the season off and running. Yeah. Hopefully the weather straightens out and we can quit talking about it and start doing some of this stuff. Absolutely. We can come in here and talk about results. There you have her folks. Have a good week and uh, we will see you next week. Did you know 77% of women who wear bladder weakness products experience intimate skin irritation? As if having incontinence wasn't stressful enough. But Tenna Intimate Pads have been gynecologist tested and do not cause skin irritation. Gentle on my intimate skin. I need to try Tenna Intimate Pads. Visit TennaSample.com for your free sample. Kind to skin protects like Tenna.